Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 110 of Season 3 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me to finish off this week is Todd Liebenau from the Forgotten Filmcast. Welcome back, Todd. Thank you very much. I, I am ready to duke it out here on this last minute that we I have. Should, I should hope so. I should hope so. So... Uh, minute 110 begins with Powell uh, trying to contact John, who has a gun to his face, and ends with Thornburg causing more trouble with his reports. So yesterday we ended things with John uh, discovering lots and lots of C4, not C3, uh, explosives, <laughs> uh, you know, all around the, the roof. And he tries to tell Powell about it. And as he's telling him, he gets a gun barrel pushed into his cheek and it goes deeper and deeper in his cheek. And he just stops talking. And this minute begins with a shot of hearing Powell say, John, 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 come in. Did you get that? No, he turns to the guy next to him and goes, did you get that? And uh, the the guy next to him is, is actually... Did you do you recognize him? You ever seen him in anything before? Oh, I'm sure sure I have, but I couldn't couldn't pinpoint it. Okay, well, uh, in in this movie, he's known as a uh, young cop. All right, that that's his. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's Anthony Peck, who was also in The Hunt for October, and surprisingly, he was also in Die Hard with a Vengeance. He played uh, the detective named uh, Ricky, mm. who was a friend of John's. He's the guy who gets interesting. He's the guy who gets shot, and they take his uh, his badge, and then John notices the badge later on. So maybe he actually, because you know we know from Die Hard Two that John goes to work in L.A. So maybe it's the same guy. Maybe he met him in L.A. and they became such good buddies that when John said, "I'm going back to New York." Then he said, "Well, I'm going with you." Hey, and, why not? You know, yeah, that, that might work. Powell turns to to, to Ricky and and asks him. I'm just gonna call him Ricky anyway, because you know, yeah, it yeah, makes sense. He's Ricky, he's Ricky. from now there on. You go. He's, he's Ricky. Ricky. <laughs> and he goes, "No, did you get that?" He goes, "No." So now we got we've got a Ricky and a Lucy in this scene. There now, you I go. just realized, but that's yeah, right. No, I'm getting off course. That's, that's very good. Very good. <laughs> and he basically says, "No." Something about a double cross. And I love I love uh, Powell's response. He goes, tell me about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier in this week, where, where both sides, you know, both Hans and Johnson think that they are outsmarting the other. And right. anyone looking from the side sees that both of them are, you know, are trying to double cross. That's what they're doing here. Mm-hmm. And then the shot yep. goes back. First of all, we see the helicopters flying in the distance, you know, as Powell says, tell me about it. You know, he sees the helicopters on their way towards Nakatomi. So, I mean, mm-hmm. these guys got, got on in the helicopters pretty quickly. They did. Well, you know, I mean, we know from other movies that, you know, time, fancy, time is different. high tech, well-armed. <laughs> well, and, you know, high tech, well-armed helicopters are just, you know, like on every street corner in LA. I mean, think about, you know, like Terminator two and, and, you know, blue thunder and things like that. They're everywhere, you know? So that's true. That's a very good point. And 
then the, the shot changes and we're back to John. Right. And we, we see that, uh, you know, it's, it actually is Carl. We see John turning and seeing that it's Carl who's, who's holding the gun to him. And now I, there's something that I don't get here. Why the, I mean, Carl then starts saying to him, we are both professionals. This is personal, but you know, if you're a professional, then just kill him and that's it. You know, like exactly. <laughs> I, I'm thinking, you know, based on the rage we've seen out of Carl uh, in the movie prior to this, that um, you know, pretty much he would have planted that gun barrel in John's cheek, and it would have taken about a half a second more for him to, you know, exactly. A new that's it, opening. and it would have caused yeah. another opening also on the other side, but. You know, he, obviously, yes. it it has to do with the fact that you know scripts uh, need for the bad guys to tell everyone their plan or you know take their time doing things that they need to do, like uh, Franco, uh, uh, like Marco, a long time ago. You know, where he tells John, you know, uh, let me give you advice next time you have a chance to shoot someone, don't hesitate. You know, maybe maybe Marco should have actually mm-hmm. said this to Carl. <laughs> he should have. That, that might yeah, have helped. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I guess you know, Carl maybe doesn't deserve the uh, high ranking he's got yeah. in Hans's organization here. Maybe it should Very have been possible. Marco. Because um, my my whole question also but, is is that what does professionalism have to do with this here? Who cares? You want revenge? Kill him. That's it. Yeah. Or no. disable him for doesn't matter. Whatever. Do it. Just do it. You know, and now I, I actually I mm-hmm. have a quick question about Carl. Uh and you, you may have covered this previously, uh, I'm not sure. But um how how is With Carl's name spelled in the credits? Yes. With a K. Okay. Because that's actually a pretty uncommon spelling, at least stateside it is. Now I know that Carl's not from the States here. The reason I know this is because I have a friend whose name is Carl, spelled with a K, and he's always thrilled whenever he meets another Carl with a K. Has he ever but met uh there's Carl, a scene earlier uh, back you know from Die Hard? No, I'm sure he hasn't. You know, I mean, you know, like we have Carl's Juniors out here. Right. That's Carl with a C, you know, that's a restaurant chain. But um but I remember when he writes the names down on his arm, John yes, he writes does. Carl with a K. And I always, when I see that, I think, how does he know that it's Carl with a K? Because early, you know, the more common way of spelling Carl in the U.S. is Carl with a C. Maybe he knows uh, about international so terrorism. I always may he must be. You know, so you're saying that that Carl's with a K are more likely to be an international terrorist. So I should be, you know, especially on the lookout whenever I'm around. My I, I think so. Carl with a K. I think so. He could be a sleeper. Yeah. You should be careful there. You might be. When I always, I always was, was like, I remember when this came out, I, I found Alexander Gudinov an odd choice for, for playing a, a terrorist mercenary type of guy. Now don't get me wrong. I like what he does in this movie a lot, but I always remember, I was like, wait a minute, yes. that guy was a dancer, you know? I, and I was like, and, and here he is this, you know, I mean, he's the, he's the boss, basically. This is the boss yes. battle of the movie. You know what I mean? He's worked his way through other lower level bad guys. And now this is the boss battle. And, you know, I always thought he was an odd choice for that, but I, I 
don't get me wrong. I think they made the right choice. I like him in this. But I always, when I hear that name, Alexander Gudinov, I go, yes. oh, yeah, he was a ballet dancer. <laughs> he was know? a ballet so. dancer in, in a few uh, 80s movies. You know, what other what movies can you think of that he was in? He's in Witness. Okay. I mean, he's not a ballet dancer no. in that. No. Uh, there. He's, he's Amish. Here we go on the Amish, Amish. again. <laughs> there you go, Bubba. We got Amish he's, he's in that. <laughs> he's the Amish guy in that scene where they go to Fuddrockers for hamburgers. He, yeah. He's actually, do you, you know that he plays uh, the same character again in another movie? Do you know what movie? Yes. Oh, my gosh. What was that? He, he plays oh. in Witness. In Witness, he plays Daniel uh, Hochleitner. Okay, and then he's in another another film nine years later, playing oh, the exact same remember. character in a very short scene. You know, he doesn't. Yes, it's a cameo. Directed me, directed by Rob Reiner. Oh, North. North. He's in North. That's right. Yes. Oh, oh man. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. So witness, and he was like the the rival suitor i want to say in to shelly long in the money yes. pit, if i remember correctly that's correct he was he was yeah. the uh cellist i think right wait right. cellist or violinist i don't remember he was something is i was gonna say i don't think he was a ballet dancer i wanted to say he was a musician he was a musician yes sort. max so, uh, yeah uh bizart bizart something like that um yes who was trying to woo shelly long <laughs> yeah unsuccessfully because come on how can you woo someone away from tom hanks no but i mean i like him i like him in this movie especially in this fight scene because like the long hair is so perfect for this fight yes. scene because with all the punches being thrown and all the moving around the hair is just flowing yes. it's magical completely <laughs> you're right but th he does two very strange things right at the beginning do you, do you notice what he does well he are we talking when he's still got the gun in yes. in uh, John's face? So he tosses the gun. He, tossed he, grabs it, he takes Phyllis's gun and tosses. That's it. right. He he tosses the the pistol. And what's the second right. thing that he does? And then he grabs he grabs the CB and like smashes it on the ground. Yeah. Which again, like why? <laughs> How does that help him <laughs> by smashing it on the ground? It doesn't. It's just that vengeance thing again. Yeah. But, you know, it, but I mean, I guess there's not really another opportunity to talk to Al in this, but it pretty much establishes that he can't get any more help from Al. Right. And uh, we actually know, don't even see him thing. stomp on it. We just see him drop it to the floor and then make a stomping like his body moves in a stomping motion. Right. We don't see his feet. I actually. I actually had to rewatch it because the first time I thought, does he just toss it and we hear it break? Or does he toss it and he actually stomps on it? But I think he does yes. stomp on it. Yes, he stomps. He's a stomper. <laughs> <laughs> and John takes takes that opportunity and you know uses his left arm, pushes the gun up uh, out of the way, even though you know he's he he like feigns pain a little bit. He beforehand we we hear him uh, you know say oh and like he's groaning a little bit, and then he takes his left arm mm. and you know, flips it up and knocks the gun out of the way. You know, I guess assuming that Carl is not paying as much attention because it's, it's more important for him to be, you know, stomping on the CB. <laughs> yes. And, you know, he uses this as a distraction and gets the, the, the machine gun away. And then we get another shot of John pushing Carl forcefully into a, a uh, like, 
a whole bunch of oil uh, oil barrel oil drums barrels barrels yeah yeah which which they all fall over very simply which which probably means that yeah, they're empty they're clearly yeah, empty they're empty <laughs> yeah which i was my, my first thought was like first of all what's in you know what would have been in those barrels i don't know again i know nothing about construction and things like that so i'm not sure what they would have had but yeah i i think that with with the uh the way they move they're clearly not holding anything. That's always one of my pet peeves is when you have in movies where you have like, you know, something that is supposed to be full, but you can tell that it wasn't right. because I mean, why, why would they fill it on the movie set? You know, but like the one that gets me every time is like when you have somebody drinking out of a, a cup from a fast food or they've got like a Starbucks cup and they set it down and you can clearly hear from the sound when they set it down, that that cup is empty, that it is absolutely. Empty. Right. Well, that goes, that goes back to my season just... one with the great escape where, you know, the, the, the three Americans are all taking a swig from the, uh, from the cup. And it's so easy to yeah. tell that they're all faking it. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I guess they, they could have used up all the, you know, whatever was in those barrels already in the construction project, but. Um, or else they just store empty barrels up here on this floor, I guess. It's it's the empty barrel storage floor. Yes. Yeah. So do, do you know how much um, – I mean, there's there's a measurement known as a barrel, right? So do you know what what that oh. measurement is and what the number of uh, – you know, how much an actual barrel holds? The the uh, I don't know the measurement, but an actual barrel holds one hobbit. See what I did there? See what I did? Come on. That's right. That's right. No. That's fine. No, No, but the the, the hobbit doesn't, you you could probably put two hobbits in there. That depends on, depends on how big they are. I mean, like the the big one, you know, uh, what's his name? Bomber. You definitely couldn't fit any other hobbits in there with him, you know, but maybe a young hobbit. Right. Okay. All right. That's true. Frodo and and or Mary and Pippin maybe Mary and Pippin you can fit them one because they're both skinny guys Sam's a little on the pudgy side so you can't put Sam and somebody else in it you know right well how they are, are supposed to be on the pudgy, on the pudgy side, side. That, that's, yeah. you know, so a barrel as the unit unit of measurement is 42 okay. gallons all right and an actual barrel actually holds 55 gallons okay <laughs> so it's pretty funny that you know <laughs> I guess, I guess maybe they used to use, you know, uh, 42, uh, gallon barrels and point. they yeah. changed them and the, the measurement stayed or something like that. That, that I'm not really sure, mm-hmm. but I just find it very funny. The fact that it, uh, you know, <laughs> that, that it's, it's not accurate. <laughs> I mean, the, the measurement of an oil barrel originated in the early Pennsylvania oil fields. Back in the 18, late mm-hmm. 1850s. And then when they had the oil boom in the 1860s and, and things like that. So they, they back then did use 42 uh, gallon barrels, which was, ah, which is based on the old English wine measure, which is 159 liters. It's known as a tierce. I've never heard that before. And then, then you have, uh, uh, then they started using whiskey barrels, which were 40-gallon barrels, which is 151.4 liters. Okay, and then they started using the 45 gallons, which are 170 liters. Um, but uh, at a certain point, they uh, they decided to change it and started using 55-liter <laughs> barrels. Yeah, in in 1872, the standard was still 
the standard was established as 42 gallons. And uh, in modern times, many different types of oils, chemicals, and other products are transported in steel drums. In the U.S., these commonly commonly have a capacity of 55 gallons and are referred to as such. They are also called the 210 liters or 200 kilograms uh, outside the U.S. In the U.K. and its former dependencies, a 44 imperial gallon drum is used. Even though all of those countries now officially use the metric system and the drums are filled to 200 liters. Thus, the 42-gallon oil barrel is a unit of measure and it's no longer a physical container used to transport crude oil, as most petroleum is moved in pipelines or oil tankers. But of course, you know, the hmm. best use so of the, the is um, going over Niagara Falls in a barrel, you know. Yes, of course. Of course, or you can just be playing, you know, on the side of of Niagara Falls, and and just hope that uh, you know there's some honeymooners <laughs> around that are going to come and save you. Yeah, that's my, a possibility actually, too. My favorite movie moment with Niagara Falls in a barrel is there's a, there's a great Woody Woodpecker cartoon, which I don't remember the name of it right now, but the the whole gimmick of the cartoon is that Woody Woodpecker wants to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel, and so. And then the the running gag throughout the film is that uh, that he keeps sending the the enemy. I don't remember if it's Wally Walrus or one of the other characters, but the enemy keeps end, end up going over the falls in the barrel. And there's always every time he goes over, there's the, they repeat the same shot. There's these people in the in the yellow raincoat standing on the stairways that go along the side of the falls. And every time he goes over the falls in the barrel, they go yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I'll I'll have to try and find that. That that would be very fun to 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 link to that. Now, so Carl bangs up against these uh, oil drums, and John starts oh, pounding. Does him, he ever? You know, uh, <laughs> punch for punch. I I remember back in the eighties there was a uh, uh, an arcade game, you know, which, which you can do uh, boxing. I'm trying to remember what it was called, but uh, I remember that whenever you do a body shot, it would oh, say yeah. body blow, yeah. body blow. Um, I, can't, I can't remember the name of the the game. I actually played it. I actually played it in this past summer when I was in the states. Out, but I know, I know what you're thinking I, of there. I remember seeing something like that. But I actually one of the things that I did when I was in the states back in the summer um, was go to a place in Morristown, New Jersey, where they have uh, all of these old arcade games. Where you can you pay uh-huh. per time, yeah, yeah. you don't we pay have per game. Like that out here too, and that was just a lot of fun. I, I went there with uh, with with uh, my son and 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 one of my nephews, and we were there for like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. It was like forty seven bucks or something like that, um, and it was yeah. just, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I took a, to, a bunch, bunch of my son's yeah, friends to, do to a place like that several years ago and it was it was really cool um you know they kind of had a balance between older games and new games um if you're really into like the old games and you come out here i think it was called punch out i think it is oh, Punch-Out. okay well if you ever come out to colorado you or any listeners but in colorado springs one of my favorite places if you're into old video games there's an arcade in manitou springs which is just outside colorado springs um and um, it's called the Manitou Arcade, and it's got all these old machines. And we're talking about not just video games, but like old penny arcade type of machines from, you know, like turn of the century type of things, you know, stuff like that. So it's just it's wonderful. Just the amazing stuff that they have there, pinball machines and, and you know, all this this wild stuff. So um, when you t- said you went oh, to wow. an old yeah, arcade, yeah. that that's what 
popped into my mind is really fantastic. Yeah, so it is it is Punch Out. That is the game that uh, that that we're talking about, which is which is quite cool. That uh, you know the the one the one drawback of playing in an arcade like that where you don't have to keep putting coins in, where you can just keep playing, is that your character can never really die mm-hmm. in any game. You yeah. know, because you know when they when they give you the ten seconds to to continue. It just lets you continue. We're the ones that did you know, that. that there were a lot of you know older games that Correct. didn't do that. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. But uh, it was still, you know, it, it it gets a little boring after a while <laughs> that you do that. Yeah, I try to float around to as many different machines as I can. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I, 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 it definitely was Punch Out. You know, where, where you fight Glass Joe. Oh that's yeah, the first guy you. Yeah. you you got to figure out each way they move. Each one of them has a little tell that they do before they throw yeah. a punch. And if you can catch that and you duck out of the way at the right moment, and then you punch them back, and then you can keep on punching them, punching them until you knock them out. So, correct. Very good. <laughs> so he's he's given all these body blows to to Carl, and we see Carl's hair flying all over the place, like you mentioned before. You know, it it it's a good thing that he didn't you know need to wear a wig here. <laughs> because it would have flown off with with the way that he's you know shaking his head back and forth the whole time. Yep. Then John misses a shot, and Carl takes that up, and you know blocks him, and is able to you know uh, you know he he does like a wrestling move on John's arm, mm-hmm. and he like yeah. you know twists it around and and uh, is able to punch him in the face. John falls down, and then Carl kicks him, and as John gets up, he. he he kicks him in the face. The fight scene is choreographed pretty well. They they do a nice job of of making the two of them seem somewhat like equals, right? With the way that the, you know, with the way that that it all goes. And then, and I think I think know, that it also, I mean, you can if you really want to break it down. I think see a difference in their techniques. They're equals, but they approach the fight differently. I think you know, you see a little bit more precision in what. Carl is doing and what John is doing is a bit more rough and tumble, like, you know, street fighter type of feel, if you will, you know, so. Well, again, John, John is, is streetwise. Yeah. Carl is doing, he's not street fighting. Mm-hmm. He's doing it, I guess, in a, a professional type of way. Right. I guess you can sort of say, yeah. you know, but, I mean, he said before, we're both professionals, which, which is also pretty funny. The fact that he says we're both professionals because they're both very different types of professionals. Right. Exactly. You know, one of them is a professional killer and the other is a professional cop. <laughs> so, yeah, well, we're, we're, we're both professionals. So. <laughs> and, and I mean, that's all we get of the fight at this point. And then the shot changes and we get, again, another view of the skyline. And we see uh, what looks like helicopter. Well, we hear helicopters. We see the lights of helicopters, you know, in the distance. And then they, they they show us inside. They show uh, our Eddie, who we haven't seen in a, little, in a while. You know, he's standing there uh, up by one of the windows, and he goes, uh, "Choppers are they're coming. Choppers are coming." Mm-hmm. See that Hans is, is getting ready to 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 get, go up, to to gather everything up. He goes, "Okay, time to gather your flock, Miss Gennaro." And as he's doing that, we see the TV is on behind him. We see little Lucy McLean on TV. The young Mary Elizabeth and, Winstead, yes. Uh, yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and then we hear Thornburg say, you know, your mom and dad. 
and then it gets uh, cut off. So well, people have to come back on Monday to find out what about her mom and dad. But we, we see Hans's reaction that he sort of notices something. We're not sure what he's noticing because the, you know, the, 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 the shot pans up and we get the, the, the flare of light in, you know, which, which is really cool the way that it looks. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's putting, he's putting his, uh, CB in his pocket. You know, we can see on his face that he notices something. But what does he notice? Who knows? We'll, we'll have to wait until Monday to find out. <laughs> I, w- I was just looking back at something on the scene and, there's something that you didn't mention that I thought, oh, Rob tunes into everything in these sequences that I didn't see. But there's that one shot where the helicopters are coming in after after Al and Ricky are talking. And um, and we see a building with a with a company name on it. Agfa Agfa Givert. Yeah. Gesundheit. Gesundheit. <laughs> exactly. I was like, what <laughs> what is that exactly? And. All I could find was a description that, like, you know, makes me go, all right, well, what does that mean? Where they say, Agfa. Well, Agfa, Agfa's, Agfa's the name of a, uh, a uh, like a film company. Well, from, that's, like, something, uh, that's something different, I think. Because this thing that I saw, it's like a, it says Agfa develops and manufactures imaging systems and IT solutions for the printing industry and healthcare, blah, 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 blah. And I think that's what this is, this Agfa give art or however you say Gesundheit. it. Yeah. But what you're thinking of, because when I saw that, I went Agfa, like the American genre film archive, which is a company that releases DVDs of all kinds of, you know, like cool old exploita- exploitation films. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, that's not what I, I thought of. That. I was thinking about it's, it's a, no, it's like Kodak. Agfa oh, okay. is, is, you know, when, 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 you know, people, People, old people like us who used to use, you know, uh, cameras that actually had film in them. So you could buy film from Kodak. You can buy film from Agfa. Oh, well, okay? that's, so it's, it's, that's probably related then because, you know, like. Imaging. It is. Yeah, it is. So, okay. It is. So Agfa Gewert is a Belgian-German multinational corporation that develops, manufactures, and distributes analog and digital imaging products, software, and systems. They've. The uh, number of different divisions, uh, their their current stock price as of today, you know, which anyone could go back and try to figure out what they were recording this is uh, three point oh two uh, euro, which it 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 went up uh, nine points today, or point point oh nine today uh, on the uh, actually this is from Friday because you know the, the there was no trading today. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a company that was founded in 1867. So yeah, it's it's been around for a little a uh, little while. Well, like I said, when I saw that, I my brain because my brain is wired to movies. I thought of AGFA, AGFA, the American Genre Film Archive, which um, they release you know movies like uh, She Freak and. Uh, Jungle Trap and The Curious Dr. Hump, things like that. All these old exploitation films. They're kind of one of the the main places out there, you know, like, you know, with labels like Vinegar Syndrome and things like that, who are, you know, kind of working to uh, to release and preserve these uh, these odd 
exploitation films of the past. Oh wow. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. I I missed that. I, I didn't I didn't catch the uh, sign for Agva Gavert, but thank you for bringing that up so so that we could still talk about it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into the script? No. Let's do the script. All right. So once again, it starts off with Powell saying, "Roy, hello, hello," and then he turns to the guy next to him and says, "I thought you had him," and he says, "I did." He said something about a a, a double cross. And then Powell looking off, tell me about it. And then they show the, the, the helicopters in the distance. And then it says, Carl hovers over McLean, who hasn't moved the muscle. Carl says, we're both professionals, but this is personal. You are done. <laughs> Wham. <laughs> McLean drives his elbow into Carl's face. Carl's weapon clatters on the floor. McLean follows his first blow with another. Carl recovers and with a spinning karate kick, slams McLean back. And that's the entire fight. That's all it says in the in the script. That's the whole. That's fight. the whole fight. And then, <laughs> and then we're we're back to the hostage floor. And it says Eddie turns from a window where the chopper lights loom closer. And then he says they're coming. Camera pans across the room to the doorway of the office where Hans nods, stands. And then you can hear him him say, "I know you're proud of your daddy, Thornburg." He hears him say, "Thornburg, say I know you're proud of your daddy." And then it says, Holly is speechless, watching in shock as the portable TV showing Thornburg at Holly's house. He's squatting down with his microphone to interview the children in their PJs. His voice is soft, comforting, because as a very brave policeman and your mom has shown just as much courage. But is there something that you would like to say to them if they're watching? And then it says, John Jr. says nothing, but Lucy looks to the camera. So, I mean, it's a little more descriptive in, in, the, in the script. And I think it, it works slightly better because we in the script we we get Holly's reaction also, you know, and and well, and Thornburg and, says a little more about the fact that your father's a cop and that your mother right. is. So yeah, I, I they they yeah, might have it's it's a bit more on the nose yeah. because in in the movie as it is, it's well it's like what we were saying about John in some previous moments where you see the light bulb go off. And we see that with Hans here where the light bulb goes off and then he flips the picture over. You know, it's not told to him on the TV screen. He puts the pieces yeah. together and figures yeah. it out. So, yeah. Okay, great. So better. Uh, than <laughs> better than. No, 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 I don't know. I, li I like the way they do the script here. Also, this is this is one of the few places where I think the script does does it well, but they still do it great in the movie. There's no question about that. You know, we'll we'll, we'll get to that next week when when Hans has his light bulb moment. Yeah. So every Friday, I have a segment that uh, I call Weekend Surprise. So one of the biggest controversies of Die Hard over the last 34 years since it came out is, is Die Hard considered a Christmas movie or not? So mm. what do you think, Todd? Is it a Christmas movie or is it not? And make sure to show your work. So I think in recent years, I, I never put that much thought into it, you know, before uh, I I just kind of was like, oh, you know, I could go either way. But I think in recent years, I've really had a convincing argument put in front of me by our mutual friend, Richard. Okay. Kirkham, who, who will be on the final says, week of this episode of the show. So so he'll probably say this, you know, much better than I do. But his theory is that this whole movie does not happen if it weren't Christmas, because the whole reason that John McClane is 
where he is, the wrong man in the wrong place at the wrong time, is because he ended up going to this Christmas party. He wouldn't be visiting the family if it wasn't Christmas. He wouldn't be at the building if it weren't for the Christmas party. So if if it wasn't Christmas, we wouldn't have the different pieces put into place for all this to happen. <clears throat> and I think Richard's pretty convincing with the way that he says that. Like I said, when he's on the show, I'm sure he'll he'll do it in a much better way because Richard was a debate coach in his previous life, and I'm sure he will uh, be able to lay it out much better than I can. But I think he's absolutely right that that you know what we see here doesn't happen except for the fact that it's Christmas and and events are happening because of the thing. <clears throat> so. That's that's my thought. Okay, but is that is that your opinion, or that's your opinion based on how Richard, you know, pounded it into you and convinced you? Oh, he didn't pound it into me. I just heard him give that once and thought, now that's the best explanation of it that I think I've ever heard. So uh, the more I thought about it, the more I, I'm on Team Richard with that. Okay, that that sounds very fair. All right, so would you like for the final time this week, this season, telling people how they can get in touch with? Uh, the forgotten film cast or things around things around about Denver. absolutely <laughs> yeah so uh the the blog is the forgotten films blog uh so that's at forgottenfilmcast.wordpress.com uh the podcast is the forgotten film cast so that's at uh the same place and you know search for it on all the places that you find podcasts wherever you found this podcast i'm sure you'll find the forgotten film cast and then um my blog about Cool stuff around Denver is called In and Around Denver. It's at iadenver.blogspot.com. All right. Excellent. And finding me is very simple. All you do is a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. Or you can find me on my website, which is moveyourabminute.com. Now, I mean, Todd and I have also done some uh, extra stuff together over the, over the past year. Uh, unfortunately, of the three that we've done, only one has seen the light so far. Um, that was that was we, we spent a week talking about the movie Silverado. We were on episode seventy one to seventy five of Silver of the Silverado podcast. So you can go and find the Silverado Minute dot com, and you can uh, listen to us talking there. We also had a great conversation about five minutes of of uh, uh, the movie Stand by Me which was for a podcast, which unfortunately uh, uh, will probably never see the light of day because it uh, just, I guess it died, but, but Richard and I, uh, Richard and I, but Todd and I, sorry. It's my middle name. So that's all right. Todd and I (laughs) uh, did record some episodes there. I I might release them at some point. Uh, Maybe at the end of this season, I will release them. So, uh, you know, People can actually just hear what we had to say about uh, those five minutes of Stand By Me. If I remember correctly, they were minutes 21 to 25. Mm-hmm. And then we also spent uh, we, four episodes talking about the commercials in the movie Amazon Women on the Moon, which also has yet to see the light of day. Uh, hopefully, that, the rumor is that that one will eventually uh, debut. So uh, I'm still holding off on that one a little bit, but we'll have to wait and see. So I want to thank you, Todd, for yeah. uh, for joining me this week and also for joining me for all those extra episodes uh, that are, are not connected to either of us. So, you know, we're, we're, we don't have a choice as to whether they see the light of day or not uh, in their original format. But like I said, I, I'm going to do my best to, to make yep. sure that at least our listeners here can can hear 
about uh, what we had to say about those uh, movies. So thank you very much, Todd. Always a pleasure. All right. Always glad to be here. I appreciate your, your always a pleasure. Me, always uh, a regularly. pleasure. And hopefully so, you'll be back for season yeah. five, season four. I keep doing that. You'll be back for season four and season five when I when I finally decide what movies <laughs> I'm going to do for those. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. Uh, hopefully there'll be movies that, that you'll be interested to talk about. I, that, there, there, there are not many movies right. that I am not Sounds interested like in talking about. All right. About, so <laughs> until Monday, yippee ki yay. Yippee ki yay. <laughs>